Russian President Vladimir Putin trusts a rare few in his inner circle. And if those close confidants dare to speak out, their lives are in jeopardy. Our next guest not only publicly disagreed with the Russian president, but fled the country to live in exile. Boris Bondarev worked for the Russian permanent mission to the UN in Geneva. He quit his position in May last year in protest of Putin's invasion of Ukraine and now lives in exile in Switzerland. Boris Bondarev, welcome to breakfast. Hello. Take me back to the decision to leave. Why did you make that decision? Um, Well, for me as as a Russian, to hear and read the news that my country attacked Ukraine, which is our closest neighbor, was something unimaginable, you know. And then I realized that I can... I could no longer stay in public service, in diplomatic service, and to approve and to promote this this murderous uh, approach, this murderous and criminal policy that my president and my government had chosen. And that's to resign. It was the only option available to me. You're the only diplomat to quit over the war. Do you think or, or know of others who are close to Vladimir Putin, who share your views? Well, uh, first of all, I would like to say that I'm not the only diplomat who resigned in protest against this war. I know a couple of dozens of my former colleagues who did the same, and most of them did this before me, but they did it silently, quietly, so they don't want to draw any attention to themselves uh, for the understandable reasons, I guess. But uh, if you refer to some people in Russian elite who may uh, share the views that many people in Russia now um, now have, that the war is a crime against Russia and Russian future, then I think, yeah, there are, there are people there and they are not, um, there are quite, quite a few of them. But they are silent. They keep silent and they, um, they are afraid of speaking out. Two days ago, Putin gave his State of the Nation address. He announced he was suspending New START, that's Russia's arms treaty with the United States, the only remaining nuclear arms control. How significant is that decision? Well, I think this decision is very significant and that first shows how short-sighted is the current Russian leadership. They just do things to surprise or to intimidate the Western partners, so to speak, but they don't think through the consequences that the decision would ensue. So and now by effectively destroying the last remaining instrument of arms control between Russia and the United States and the last remaining instrument of arms control in the world, Putin has torpedoed all his own previous efforts to keep or preserve this architecture of international security and peace that he had been advocating for many years. And I had been doing so as a diplomat, especially in Geneva. So now it's all it's all gone. And we so the new start was to expire in 2026. So in, by 2026 we would have to have a new agreement replacing the new start. Now all hopes to have this agreement, I think, have faded. 
And now the world is without any kind of instrument regulating nuclear arms. Now we are on the threshold of another round of a nuclear arms race. We had it in previous years, and I have no, um, unfortunately, no nice perspective for this. Do you think Putin is bluffing about his nuclear threats? Um, if he says that he may use nuclear weapons, but he doesn't say this like explicitly, right? He just hints at this. Yes. But I think, you know, since 1945, nobody has used nuclear weapons. And especially no nuclear weapon state has used nuclear weapons against non-nuclear weapon state. And especially in the within framework of its own aggression against non-nuclear weapon states. So if Putin uses nuclear weapon state or nuclear weapons against Ukraine, which is non-nuclear weapon state, I believe that the reaction to this from all the world, including even those countries which he still may rely on their um, you know tolerance to that or, or being impartial like China or India, for example, I think even those countries will have to react. And not to the benefit of Putin, but otherwise. Because using nukes against non-nuclear weapon state and the victim of aggression will color Putin in very, very dark dark colors. And I think he is also afraid of this. So I think when he hints at using nuclear weapons right now, I think he's mostly bluffing, yes. I cannot exclude that he may resort to actually use it. In future, I, well, we cannot. We just we can only guess what is in his mind. But for today, I think he's bluffing. You say we can only guess about what's in his mind, and yet there is a lot of guesswork that goes on. How we we are obviously on the cusp of the one year anniversary of this conflict. Where do you think he wants to take this, and for how long? Um, well, he seems to be pretty confident that he may afford a very long war campaign against Ukraine, maybe for years. So it's a, like a classic war, war of attrition that Ukraine should be tired of fighting and the West would be tired of helping Ukraine, of supporting Ukraine. And so Ukraine or the West or both of them will eventually bend to Putin's will, and then he will dictate his terms of peace. I think that is his plan, if we can may call it a plan. But I'm not sure that he really has the capacity and capability of maintaining this war for years. I don't think, I think he's, he's overestimating his own strength. As he miscalculated his own strengths when he started this war, I think he's still in these illusions. I think he still perceives the current situation much better than it is really. Just briefly, I understand your 75-year-old father went to be drafted on the first day of the Russian mobilisation. Why? That's uh, the propaganda working on him. Russian propaganda is very powerful. And I think even uh, Dr Goebbels from Nazi Germany could uh, could learn a lot from today Russian propaganda machine, really, because Russian propaganda is very diversified. For instance, my father doesn't, well, he says to me that he doesn't watch TV because it's all propaganda, he says. 
Instead, he finds information he wants, he looks for in internet, on YouTube. But YouTube is also infiltrated with a lot of Kremlin propaganda sources. And they provide these mm. propaganda takes as if it's kind of independent, independent bloggers, independent, yeah. uh, you know, independent points of view. But, and people who are not very much... Boris, you know, we're, we're out of time, yeah. but I, I'd love to have you on again to talk about this. It's such an interesting topic. That's Boris Bondarev, who's a former Russian diplomat. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.